0: This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Morning, Christian Family Church, Johannesburg. Praise God. Good to see you all here today. I love ministering to you the rich living Word of God. You are so hungry for God and thirsty for the Holy Spirit. Such a pleasure to minister to you. Give yourselves a great big praise God hand clap. (laughs) All right, well, thank you, praise Jesus. Today we continue with our very exciting series, The Supernatural Power of Intercession, Part 3. The Supernatural Power of Intercession, Part 3. I'd like to introduce this message by saying that this message is being prepared by me to be taught in all CFC Bible schools around the world. That's more than 80 Bible schools with about 3,500 students are gonna be trained. That's pastors, future pastors and future evangelists and ministers of the gospel Trained in this subject of supernatural power of intercession. It's so important. You see, the reason it's so important is that this is the only kind of prayer that will work in certain circumstances. For example, the prayer faith will work for you when you pray by faith for yourself. Whatever things you desire. When you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Now, <clears throat> if you want to pray for somebody else, you need their agreement. Then Jesus, if any two agree, it shall be done for them. So, in this particular situation, we can pray for an individual and we can pray for a city, a nation, circumstances, a church your staff that you work with, your school friends you go to school with, and God can begin to deal with their hearts and draw them to himself. He can begin to persuade them, negotiate with them, and encourage them to give their life to Jesus. Plus, at the same time, when we pray like this, we are forcing the spirit of darkness away from their mind so that they can think clearly. And anybody that's in his right mind will actually accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Very few will not. But most folks don't, because 2 Corinthians 4, four tells us that Satan is blinding the minds of those who don't know God, so they can't accept him. You see, the price of salvation is paid. God has forgiven the human race, but they don't know it and Satan's blinding them from that truth. So you can't pray the prayer of faith over them for that to happen. The reason is that God has given everybody their own independent free will. And God's not gonna violate that. He's not gonna force anybody to go to heaven against their will. When you get to heaven, you won't find anybody walking around there freaking out about, how did I get you? I don't wanna be here. That's not going to happen. No, that's not going to happen. No one's going to be dragged to heaven against their will. No one's going to get saved against their will. And God's not going to get anybody saved unless we pray like this. Supernatural intercession. Then God can start working with them and dealing with them and speaking to them. Nonstop, day and night. Persuading them to change their own mind in their own will to accept Christ. So this is very important because by this kind of prayer, we can actually pray for our leaders of our nation and God will change their hearts They'll accept Christ or else God will remove them and replace them with those who will listen to his instructions. And everything in the country can change if we depend on supernatural intercession. So just praying the prayer of faith will not work here. And if God was going to reach this whole world and save them without us, they would have all been saved and we would have gone rapture long ago. Long ago. No, God is not going to change the world without us. He won't do anything unless we pray. So, and um, clearly the world's in a huge mess. South Africa's in a mess. America's in a mess. Europe's in a mess. Nations around the world are struggling terribly under the load and weight of demonic influence. And the reason, a lack of understanding of how to pray the supernatural power of intercession and a lack of participation. If we don't participate in this, we're going to see the problems we do see right now. But that can change when the church stands up and prays like this, it can change. God can fix it. And I'm concerned because this art of intercession seems to be lost in the church right now. Very few Christians understand this depth of supernatural powerful intercession. This is not just being able to speak in tongues. This is way deeper, much more mature than that. This is something we're going to talk about and explain and participate in so we can learn by precept and example. So we learn by precept and example. There's something else Holy Spirit wants me to share with you. I believe I will remember what it is. In the meantime, turn to 1 John chapter 2 in your Bible. 1 John chapter 2. I have shared this with you before. But I'd like to share it again. Jesus said in Mark 16 the last few words of Mark 16. It said, the signs will follow the teaching of the Word of God. The signs follow the teaching of the Word of God. What that means is that you have to teach something before you'll see the manifestation of the miracles and supernatural. So if you want to see healings, teach on healing. If you want to see prosperity, teach on prosperity. Want to teach on speaking in tongues, then talk about it from the pulpit or tell for somebody about it. Before you want to, before you see any manifestation, show people from the Bible what God says about it. Now, before there has ever been any revival or outpouring of God's Spirit across the world, every major revival in history has always been preceded by intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. Every revival started with a group of people travailing in the spirit. But that only happens when people know what the Bible says about the subject. So with the teaching, then will come the praying then will come the revival. So we are now doing the plowing and planting the seed, the Word of God, which will result in people standing up and praying, which will result in a revival. So remember, this kind of deep travail, mature intercession one not happen without understanding the subject from the word of God, and then being taught by example as well. So this is very exciting. I believe we're giving birth to a revival in South Africa starting right here at CFC. And I'm encouraging all CFC churches, all over South Africa and all over Africa and around the world, if possible, To show these teachings, videos, in your churches. Either on a Wednesday night or some other night, even on Sundays, it doesn't matter. Or else teach the message yourself. All right, you ready? You got one, John chapter 2? Let's have a look at verse 1. Jesus said, these things are right to you. Sorry, this is John, the apostle. These things are right to you, that you sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ, the righteous. So John said, if you make a mistake and you mess up, it's not the end of the world. We have Jesus Christ as an advocate seated on the right hand of the Father. So, now what does the word advocate mean? As we learned already in part two, an advocate is a lawyer, kind of a law person, who takes our place in court to plead our case on our behalf. So then, Jesus is our advocate in heaven on the right hand of the Father, pleading on our behalf. If we mess up, he's gonna speak up for us and defend us as a lawyer would before the father. He's gonna say something like, Father, my blood was shed to forgive Fred Bloggs and Mary Lou and Joseph or whoever it is. And the father says they are forgiven. So What do we do about it if we mess up? 1 John 1.9, this is how we put the advocate to work. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he, the advocate, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when I make a mistake, I say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. He forgives me. Praise God. Amen? So when we sin, we can take that verse to the Father and stand on it and say, Father, I've messed up. I ask you to forgive me. And the Bible said you will, and I receive it. Amen. Praise God. Now, that does not give us a license to sin. That doesn't mean now that we can go out and sin, do whatever we want to do, live an evil life because we know God's going to forgive us. It doesn't work that way. Now, moving along. Jesus is interceding for us at the very moment now before the throne of God. He is there today as our intercessor. We've been learning about this subject. What is an intercessor? And... Uh, We've discussed that Jesus is the greatest intercessor that ever lived and does live. But few people understand that he's even interceding now, today, at the right hand, of the Father for us. Hebrews 7.25. Hebrews 7.25 in the New Testament says, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him talking about Jesus, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Can we see that? Jesus is alive, always making intercession for us. Praise God. Say that. Jesus Christ is always continually interceding for me. Praise God. The same thing is said in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 33. Romans 8:33. It says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So we see here, according to Romans 8.34, that Christ is at the right hand of God, always available to make intercession for us. He is the great intercessor. We share in the same ministry of intercession as Jesus does. John 20.21 Jesus said this to his disciples when he was on the earth. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. I also send you. So Jesus came to be our great intercessor, to bring peace between us and God and satisfy God's justice. And now we have become partakers of this divine calling as well. He's called to be the great assessor, but according to this verse we just read here, John 20:21, 20, Jesus said, "As the Father sent me, I send you." In other words, my mission is now your mission. All right, 1 Corinthians 6:17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So you and I and Christ are one, one spirit. We are joined to the Lord. We are one with the great intercessor to carry out his work of intercession and reconciliation in the earth. We carry out the work he started because we are one, one man, one purpose. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So, according to this verse, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, the mediator, the intercessor, and has given us the ministry of reconciling. So we now, as I said, or as we read, are carrying out the same ministry that Jesus has, the same mandate. Because we are one with him, we carry in our heart, we carry in our spirit, God's heart for his lost creation. Every believer is called to intercede every believer is called to intercede just because folks are ignorant doesn't mean they are excused from this calling and it's time that we wake up because the world's in a terrible mess and that's the result of not knowing how to do this because clearly god is ready to heal and to help and to save and to change people's lives but he's waiting on us to pray. If he's, as I said, he was going to do it by himself. It would have been done by now. Okay, so let's get with the program. Every believer is called to intercede. Not some, It's not somebody's ministry. It's everyone's ministry. We are an extension of the arm of the Lord Jesus, and you can see that in Isaiah 59 verse 10. We're not going to read that now. We have been given the armor of God, the same armor we learned last week that Jesus wore when he came to the earth is the armor we have according to Ephesians 6.10. We'll look at that now. We have been given the same armor, the armor of God, and we are called to the same prayer dimension as Christ. We are called to the same prayer dimension as Christ. We are called to fight for the unsaved. We are called to fight the unsaved, to free them from demonic control. All right, let's go to Ephesians 6.10, please. And here you need to look in your Bible. This is the New Testament. Look in your Bible. I'm reading from the New King James Translation. Grab your pen. You probably want to write in here now as we move along. We're going to read quite a few verses from Ephesians chapter 6. This is very important to all of us. So go there. I'm going to wait just a minute. We define Ephesians 6. All right. Good. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says, of course, he's writing to us two at the same time by the Holy Ghost. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So God says, I want you to use my strength, be bold to do it. Be strong, Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole, how must I do that? Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So what is the armor of God? We're going to hear about that now. For you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That list is just a simple list of demonic activity, in the order of authority in the kingdom of Christ that we have to deal with while on earth. That's what we are wrestling against. All right. Verse 13. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Remember we learned about the breastplate of righteousness last week that Christ wore, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and, and above all, taking the shield of faith, above all, the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts, of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now look at that. It says pray with all different kinds of prayer, And supplication, that means sincere, heartfelt, dedicated prayer. In the Spirit, take note of those words, in the Spirit. That means praying in tongues, praying by the direction of the Holy Ghost, and praying under his supervision, praying under his anointing and unction, and following his instructions as you do. Because he's going to tell you what to do while you're praying in tongues and travailing. He's going to stop you and say, exercise authority now. Bind that, loose this. Bind that, loose that. And then you can't praying. That's all part of it, okay? We'll get to that as we move along in the series. Now go, please, to John 20, verse 21. Again, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I also send you. And... When he had said this, he breathed on them and and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So what just happened here? Verse 22 says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. My question is, what just happened here? He breathed on them and they received the Holy Ghost. This happened after Jesus rose from That dead and man had been forgiven for their sins. Firstly, this is after the Lord's resurrection, and he is about to ascend in the clouds to heaven from the Mount of Olives. Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to come right back to John 20, 21 and 22, where he breathed on them. I'm going to come right back to that. I'm just going a little side journey to give you a background, and we're going to deal with this. The question is, what happened? I'm going to answer that question. All right, let's go to Luke 24, verse 49. Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. Now he's standing on the Mount of Olives, he's about to go up in the cloud, and he said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem in the upper room until the Holy Ghost comes. Stay there until you receive him. So, 50 days from Passover when he was crucified, the Holy Ghost came down in Acts 2, into the upper room, 120 disciples got full of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus said this now, after his resurrection, So it's a few days later, and um, so then you could say almost 50 days after Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, uh, they went and did so. And Acts 2 happened. The Holy Spirit came down and filled all 120 followers of Jesus in that upper room, including all the brothers of Jesus and Mary, his mother. Now... Question Did these disciples in John twenty twenty two speak in tongues before the Holy Ghost came down in Acts chapter two? Got that question? Do you understand that? All right, we learnt in John twenty twenty two that he breathed on them after he rose from the dead. Then he told them to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Ghost, and a whole crowd of them got filled. Here we have a few disciples that he breathed on. My question is, did they receive the Holy Ghost before the Holy Ghost came? And the answer is no. What happened then? They got born again when he breathed on them. They got born again. They didn't speak in tongues. No one spoke in tongues until Acts 2. Now, As I said, we have the same mission as Jesus has. We have the same authority to minister God's forgiveness to the lost and dying world. Our armor is the same. Our calling is the same. We are anointed with the same power and might, which is the Holy Ghost. So intercession is the highest expression of love. So we have got the same calling, no doubt about it, and the same tools as Christ has. Now, intercession is the highest expression of love, the highest expression of love. John 13, verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. The kind of love Jesus is talking about is not a natural human kind of love. It is the love of God. John 15, 13, Jesus said, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. This God kind of love motivated Jesus to empty himself of his divine privileges as God and to become a man so he could stand in the gap and become the intercessor for the human race. And you'll see that in Philippians 2, verse 5 through to verse 11. I'm not going to read that. Now, as we have already seen from Romans 5, verse 5, the love of God resides on the inside of us from the moment we received our salvation, the born-again experience. The Holy Spirit came into us, and we receive the love of God to live in us. Because Romans 5 says, as we've already looked at that, hope does not disappoint because the love of God is being poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So the love of God was poured out in our hearts. This love of God in, in us calls us to be intercessors to lay down our lives for others. God's love in us compels us and draws us to have compassion for dying souls that are going to fires of hell so that we can give ourselves to prayer on their behalf. We give our time to pray, to stand on their behalf and wrestle and fight against Satan to free those souls From Satan's control. The Holy Spirit empowers us to make this intercession. It's not something we can do, it's something He helps us do. He is the Spirit of grace, He is the Spirit of supplication. Let's go to Zechariah 12, verse 10. God said, I'll pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the Spirit of grace and supplication, then they will look on me whom they have pierced. So God said, I'll pour out my spirit of grace and supplication. Now, going back to the New Testament, when we intercede in tongues, we move beyond the natural understanding into supernatural understanding by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is praying the perfect will of God through us for other people. We are bringing change upon people. In any part of the world, we are bringing change by praying in the Holy Ghost. We can bring change to an individual, to a family, to a church, to any nation that we choose, if we'll stay and pray. The result is, is an awakening to the things of God. The result is salvations, deliverances, healings and miracles. If we have not seen salvations, deliverances, healings and miracles, to the extent that we need to, we need to ask ourselves, are we participating in supernatural intercession? By interceding for the lost, we will see that happen. Reverend Wolford H. Reed, who was the son-in-law of John G. Lake, said this, quote, Our intercession for all men is not to ask God to save them. Again, our intercession for all men is not to ask God to save them because Jesus already paid the price on the cross for their salvation. He goes on to say, our intercession is mainly to break the bondage that the devil has over them. End of quote. To break the bondage that Satan has over them. End of quote. We don't pray God save so and so. Salvation is already paid for. God has already canceled the sin and debt of all mankind. The problem is people are spiritually blind and cannot see the truth that they have been forgiven and all have to accept Christ to be saved. 2 Corinthians 4.3 tells us, if the good news we preach is veiled from anyone, it is a sign then that they are perishing. Satan, the God of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, so they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. They don't understand the message we preach about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So, Satan then, according to this verse, 2 Corinthians 4:4, 4, blind the minds of the unsaved so they can't understand the fact that God has forgiven them and all have they do is accepted. Now, our prayers release people from this spiritual blindness so they can see, understand that Christ has saved them, forgiven them, and then they accept and choose Jesus and come into salvation only through intercession, another way we exercise our authority and command Satan to release the minds of the unsaved people so while we interceding and God gives us a burden to pray for certain people then we command Satan to release their thinking and we come praying in tongues interceding interceding i'll explain how that works i'm going to give you actual stories examples of what happened when we did that then we will begin to pray in tongues for them and the help of the Holy Spirit will come upon them. Now go to Isaiah 62 and verse six in the Old Testament. O Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray to the Lord for the fulfillment of his promises. Take no rest, all of you who pray. All right, so the prophet says, God's speaking through the prophet, I have posted watchmen on your walls. Now, you know the watchman is there to protect the city, warn the city of danger. And they will pray, the watchman will pray. This is talking about soldiers, but it's talking about prayers, actually. They'll pray to the Lord for the fulfillment of his promises. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So God made promises, and they're not going to come to pass until somebody prays for them to come to pass. That's what he said. I'm gonna talk about this in depth as we move on. It's fascinating. You're gonna be riveted when we do, riveted. Now, verse 10, same chapter. Go out, prepare the highway for my people to return smooth out the road, pull out the boulders, raise a flag for all the nations to see. This is talking about the results of prayer in a spiritual context. Many ancient cities had walls built around them as part of their defense. Soldiers, or you might say watchmen, patrolled these walls day and night to watch for the enemy and to stop any attack by warning the soldiers down below. Now, in the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us to watch in the spirit realm, in the spirit dimension. We learn to discern the leading and unction of the Holy Spirit and follow His promptings to pray. We learn to recognize the deceptions and plans of the evil one. We see what Satan wants to do, and we begin to warn in prayer. We are the watchmen by praying in tongues and travailing in the Spirit. And the Holy Ghost is the one that warns us of danger approaching. Isaiah 62 verse 6 says, Take no rest, all you who pray. Take no rest. Don't be lazy about this. Let's get to it and don't stop. In prayer we speak up. For those who do not have any one to speak up for themselves. In prayer, we confront the forces of darkness that bind people. We take authority over the demonic forces that hold men in bondage, whether it be drugs, whether it be believing lies, false doctrines, whether it's false religion, whether it be pornography, drugs, any kind of addictions. When we begin to travel in the Holy Ghost, they get set free and are able to accept Christ as their Savior. So one of the greatest callings then of the church, of the Lord Jesus Christ, is this intercessory supernatural power and prayer. That's what it is. We are partakers with Christ and we are one with him in carrying out his great work of reconciling the world back to God through intercessory prayer. Through prayer, we are working with the Holy Ghost and with Jesus. We are a team. When you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, you are fulfilling God's plan and purpose, satisfying His heart of love and compassion for the lost. The Holy Ghost and Jesus begin to work with you and through you. You must know you're joining forces and hands with God Almighty to reach out to the lost world. He desperately wants them saved. He can't do it without us. See yourself, not alone when you intercede, but joining hands with Jesus and the Holy Ghost and together, you're coming against and confronting the force of darkness. And you're doing that on behalf of those who can't pray for themselves. In prayer, we pave the way for a great awakening to the things of God, which ultimately result in salvations, healings, and miracles, and the healing of nations. It seems that in a session is almost a lost and forgotten art. I want to say that again. It seems to me that intercession is almost a lost and forgotten art. And the evidence of that is the mess and the chaos the world is in. Because if we were doing this, the world would not be like this. Most Christians have very shallow prayer lives. Very shallow prayer lives. Most Christians, very few understand what you're hearing today. And still even fewer put it into practice. Very few are able to intercede like Father Nash did for Charles Finney. And we are going to look at that closely in our next sessions. It's going to get very exciting. I trust to see you next weekend. God, richly bless you. We love you with all our hearts. Pastor Bev and I are praying for you day and night. Not day and night, but continually. (laughs) All right. And uh, right now, we're going to stand up and pray and intercede. There's no good hearing about this and not doing it. So we'll take two or three minutes and experience what this is like by praying. Please don't go home now. This is not time to go home. And if you can't speak in tongues then you can speak in your home language and pray that way for two or three minutes for lost souls. And particularly for South Africa as a nation, where right now South Africa is facing dire straits, crossroads, but that can change. Only God can fix it. And this is the only way God can fix it is when we pay the price. So if you wanna see South Africa change, if you want to see everything work perfectly in this nation, this is where it happens, right here. Don't look to the politicians. Let's look to ourselves. God is waiting for us to move, then he can fix everybody else. Are you ready? If you don't speak in tongues, I'll you can speak in English or Afrikaans, or Zulu, or or whatever language you want. But if you don't speak in tongues and you want to, come forward right now. Up here in the front are all the cell leaders, fellowship group leaders, the pastors. The worship team are going to play in the background, just the instruments. And keep the drums down soft, please, guys. Keep the drums soft. Background music, we don't need singers. I want the singers to pray in tongues with me. All right. Let's all say this prayer together. And you can come out now if you want to receive the Holy Spirit or you need healing or anything else, come on up now, quiet now, I'll pray for you. And all of you watching live at home, you can join us. You pray in tongues with us, please. Join us and pray in tongues with us and um, God will meet you right where you are. Okay. Let's everybody please say this prayer as we open our hearts and yield to the Holy Spirit. Dear Father in heaven, dear Father in heaven, Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. I receive you, Holy Spirit, to pray through me now with supernatural power of intercession for South Africa, for the leaders in every field, the leaders in every field, to come to Christ, to operate in God's wisdom, to find solutions for our problems, to solve and fix the nation. I see now for all people in this country to find Christ and change. I see now for everything to start working in every area. I yield to the Holy Ghost to bring a mighty revival in this nation, as I pray. Ready? We're going to lift our voices and pray so loud we're going to shake this building. We're going to shake this building. I want to hear thunder inside here. You ready? On I count to three, you start right, and I'll pray with you and the worship team too. One, two. Three, ke abla maso boshi kenda la basanya, embromi kamborosuku, mangala deisi, emblo makombo sh, ya, emblo kumura, braka baradisa, klubu, Breser de Bichando, Mongo Bobushika, Rendaya, Umbushi, Lasanda, Rekendo, Brokomanas, Brekenedi, Langabadi, Rekenda, Omohobo, Brengala Miche, Amba, Cambridis, Ken, Nendes, Obok, Bok, Rendiminnesia, Rendemamukubu, Renda Masala Emblak, Embrook, Lengish, Bloku de ba re Rekenda la lenda da mangala bikeya. ke Burusananda masiki bamba kahia, kushana, enda da masaya o brekide basanda shokobush enda saya obra mangida. Rekin do Sul, Brenda da Eba Shukila Sandaya, Ramakablu Kulu, Remakala de Sandaya, Emblokulu da Mangira, Enda Lok Aya, rak Band, zuku Lamba, Rendes, Nenke, Laka, obru, Brenda, Zikars, Destosh Bakas, laya, Endus, Lakas, Biko, Blenda, Manga, Bobushi Endus Nassa, Endosokiblia, Endamanduru, Brakalakas, Endodamangaya, Endayaba, O Rekabalasaya, Ramalabike, O Mankambara Mancambara, Kebrabako Labasi, Cabraboko Now lift your hands and give a great praise to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you in the name of Jesus for the ability and the power and the grace to pray in tongues and to see and travail before you and on behalf of the nation. In Jesus' name, what a joy. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Now I wanna encourage you. Go find a prayer group near you. We have got dozens, probably hundreds of prayer groups all over around the church and many miles and all directions. Find a prayer group near you. And if you don't belong to a good prayer group, you can come forward right now. I'm gonna invite the pastors to come up here and the fellowship group leaders and all the prayer group leaders to come for the front right now and to counsel you. And to help you find a prayer group today, join one. They'll teach you how to go further in this ministry, to grow in this ministry. And in those groups, at least once a week, gather and pray and travail and a seed for South Africa. Now at home, you can pray for your family your friends, those you work with. But let's come together and pray for South African in meetings. And we have prayer groups at church as well. And we're going to put up on the screen now behind me in a moment where these prayer groups are in the church what days and so on, what time. Make a definite effort to join a prayer group and schedule time to pray every day. Don't make it Wishy-washy accident. Schedule a time. This is the time I'm going to pray every day and do it. When I started out, I started out five minutes a day, then 15, then 30, and then it grew to an hour, then two, then three. That's how you grow. All right, now, you may go back to your seats. And every head bowed and every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Theo, I need to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. I don't know where I'm going when I die, but I want to be sure i go to heaven. Can you help me? Yes, I can. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you want to be sure you're going to heaven, I'm going to. Count to three. If you put your hand up, you'll be included in the prayer. I'm going to pray. And God will give you the assurance today that you are His child, that you are saved, and you are going to heaven. If that's what you desire, put your hand up, take that step towards God. He'll take many toward you. Are you ready? I'm counting. One two, three. Praise God. I invite everybody to say this prayer with me, especially all of you that raise your hands. Let's talk to God from the heart here. Say this, please. Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I ask you to forgive me, Jesus. Thank you. Come into my heart. Save my life. I declare you are my Lord and Savior. I'll live live for you with all my heart from today. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you. Praise God. Now you are God's child. You have now been born to God's family, and you are bound for heaven. That's just a fact. Now continue to fellowship with the Lord, and we'll see you there. dot com.